Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast coming at you live from Nashville, Tennessee in the morning time. Probably the fourth or fifth time we've ever achieved a morning time podcast it since a, officially starting the podcast. It is a Good Morning Liberty podcast. Officially, we're not liars anymore like we, like we have been. Well, you know, we just get busy. We when, just, we get busy. When is morning anyway? It's always I mean, morning somewhere. In this postmodern world, there is no morning. <laughs> morning anyway. is They don't a, even believe in morning. It's a social construct. It is. It's been it's devised of, to keep people down. It's part of the patriarchy. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> the patriarchy. Yeah. Or white supremacy. So we should just say good liberty. Good liberty, everyone. Yeah. This is the Which good. Which is also part of the patriarchy, by the way. Well, liberty, yeah. yeah. Any kind of so. liberty. But you know, the postmodern, they don't believe in anything. So <laughs> anything is, is anything and nothing is nothing. everything. Nothing is everything. Exactly. By the way, my you name is Nate. This is that. Charles Chuck Thompson over there. Are you having a good day so far? I'm having a great day. I'm wearing my NASCAR hat. If y'all want to see us live and watch me spit the truth with my NASCAR hat on, boogity boogity. Oh, Wes says that that is pronounced Bear County, not Bexar. Whatever. Honestly, that's their fault for spelling it yeah. that way. Yeah. And and Charlie's not sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> I do understand some some Cajun lingo though. It's so Bayhar. Yeah, yeah. With like Texas with an X yeah. in there is. Is ah, it a French town? Ah. Why why do they got that X in there? That's weird. It must be it's okay. E A U X is you know oh. That's continuing a conversation from the pre the pre show, which I was just telling the people if they wanted to sign up yeah. for that, they go to Patreon.com/slash Good Morning Liberty. We just had a few more signups, so. Y'all get in there. It's just five bucks a month that goes directly to my golfing habits. I like NASCAR and golf. Is that why you're leaving today? It's not true. Go play golf? Uh, maybe. I didn't want to say it. Lord. I didn't want to say it live. I but. could tell because he hadn't told me why he was leaving yet. And normally if it's something else, he would say what it was. And I knew. I knew you were hiding something today. Well, and I knew it. I have I a big tell. Tur- I have a big term- tournament coming up. Yeah, it's very important. Yes. Yeah, it's a very important tournament. It is. Well, let's get to less important things in Charlie's life, like the downfall of an entire nation. Okay, <laughs> so let's talk about these things, and we'll rush through all of them so Charlie can go play golf, and uh, hopefully that will go well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, as we as we alluded to, in a historic move, you know, you were supposed to play in this tournament. I you you were going to force me, and I don't want to. Because yeah, I've got to fight for liberty that day. Yeah, Liberty's already too important that day. Okay. Whatever day That's it fine. is, I have to go do that. So Asheville approves. Oh, this is so interesting. Reparations for black residents. Wait, reparations. Reparations. In air quotes. It's got to be in air quotes after we read this article, by the way. Because now now what you want is this headline all, all over the place. <laughs> Jeff's comment. That was good. <laughs> Read Jeff's comment and look okay. at that last one. That was good. Uh, <laughs> so reparations are in are have to be in quotations here, although they're not in quotations on the actual headline. But of course, this headline is supposed to move around and it's going to institute a bunch of change around the country because Asheville has approved reparations for black residents. Now, are these reparations? Let's talk about it. And an extraordinary move. This, this is just a massive, such a big deal. Amazing. Man. This is great. 
the city council has apologized for the city's historic role in slavery, discrimination, and denial of basic liberties to black residents and voted to provide reparations to them and their descendants. What? <laughs> okay, first of all, apologizing for a historic role in slavery and discrimination. Okay. Fine. Yeah. If you want to make an official document that apologizes for it, North Carolina probably had a lot of slaves back in the day. I'm sure. I get that part. But to say that they voted to provide reparations to them and their descendants. Oh, just let's get into the article okay. because this is a, this is the I'll say my thoughts out. It was a 7 to want, nothing vote. And they said, quote, hundreds of years of black blood spilled that basically fills the cup we drink from today. That is grotesque. It is. Said Councilman Keith Young, one of two African-American members of the body and the measure's chief proponent. How did, how did they, he get there? How did they get reparations passed if only two of the members are, are African-Americans? I mean, you're telling me five of the people are not African-Americans and well, it was and a seven to nothing vote? How is he a councilman? I'm not sure how he made it. To that position and why is he drinking cups of blood that's weird it is simply not enough to remove statues black people in this country are dealing with issues that are systemic in nature young said it's now it says statutes is that on purpose or do they misspell statutes? it does think? say statutes yeah. actually I'm not, I'm not sure hmm. the unanimously passed resolution does not mandate direct payments <laughs> This is what I was getting at. Yeah. So it, so it's not reparations actually. The the, no. the entire the the headline and the first paragraph is a complete lie. Yeah. This is the the longest version of virtue signaling I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. So when it, I read this last time I was like this is just a joke. It's a it, bunch of words. It doesn't it's just a bunch of words. That is what we said about Literally, it. Literally, this article right here is just words. It does not include mandated direct payments. Instead, we'll make investments in areas where black residents face disparities. So now well, is the city gonna make investments? I know see, this is the thing, and why this is the larger conversation I wanted to have about this article. This is the same thing that we've already been doing for like 50, 60 years. We're going to make investments in black communities. That's what we're going to do. This, there's nothing different about this than things that already happen all the time. And if this is reparations, then we've had reparations for quite a long time. For 60 years. A long time already. So anyway. It was, uh, was it Johnson, Lyndon B. Johnson, that started the war on poverty? Yeah. Yeah. This is literally mm -hmm. the same program we've been running for years now. The resulting budgetary and programmatic priorities may include, but not be limited to, increasing minority home ownership and access to other affordable housing, increasing minority business ownership and career opportunities, strategies to grow equity and generational wealth, closing the gaps in healthcare, education, employment, and pay, neighborhood safety and fairness with criminal justice. The resolution reads, the resolution calls on the city to create the Community Reparations Commission, inviting community groups and other local governments to join. It will be the commission's job to make concrete recommendations for programs and resources to be used. Councilwoman Shanika Smith, who is black, that's important, said the council had gotten emails from people asking, why should we pay for what happened during slavery? That's a it's a decent question. Yeah. And she said, slavery is the institution that serves as the starting point for the building of strong economic 
a strong economic floor for white America while attempting to keep blacks subordinate forever to its progress. All right. Councilman Vijay Kapoor, Kapoor, who has often split with Young and Smith on police and budget issues, said he supported the measure for moral reasons. And so he could stay in office. And so he doesn't have his house burnt down. Yeah. But he said skeptics could look to the practical reason, data showing large disparities between African-Americans and other Asheville residents. He said, we don't want to be held back by these gaps, Kapoor said. We want everyone to be successful. The council allowed an hour of public comment on the measure. Many who were not able to speak before the vote waited for another hour-long comment period afterward, pushing the meeting late into the night. Most were in support. Rob Thomas, community liaison for Racial Justice Coalition, which led the push for reparations, thanked the council. This is a really, really good gesture, gesture as far as the foundation of what we can build. The potential of what can come out of this document is amazing. Which... By the way, all it is is a gesture. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They didn't actually do anything. No. They they did. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep doing what governments already do, which is prioritize community reinvestment towards minority communities. And I'm sorry to say that, but I've got I mean, I've got some some empirical evidence to that fact with with some personal things and in, in uh in my life that that I've seen and uh, we'll talk about that here in a second. Increasing generational wealth, something African-Americans were deprived of through economic and regulatory discrimination, should be the focus, he said. How about we just get rid of the economic and regulatory discrimination? Right. Like the regulatory discrimination would be, how about the, the regulations? That, that would be pretty good. You know, things that make it harder for poor people to rise to the top, something like that. Yeah. Wouldn't that be better? It was also important that Buncombe, County, Buncombe County's government join, Thomas said, to ensure issues weren't lost between county and city. The county's board of commissioners, which governs all of Buncombe, including municipal residents, is not clearly behind the reparations measure, though it has a four to three Democratic majority. Um, a few callers spoke against reparations, one linking it to Venezuelan government plots and others saying Black Lives Matter was Marxist, which is, is true. My, this is a quote. My white privilege is I grew up on a farm. We milked cows. We bailed hay. That was my white privilege, said a man identifying himself as Eddie from West Asheville. But David Greenson said white people like him needed black people to get reparations because our souls are in jeopardy. He said, I am responsible for the beating of Johnny Rush in August of 2017. He should be put in prison then, honestly, if he's responsible for beating someone named Johnny Rush in 2017. Was that an admission of guilt right there? He said, referencing the infamous beating of an unarmed black Asheville pedestrian by a police officer. Oh, it was the police officer that yeah. did it. Okay. I thought that, I thought this, I thought David Greenson said that he beat someone. No, kind of like Andy okay. in, in uh, Shawshank Redemption. You know, he said, yeah. I, I may have not have pulled the trigger, but I, but I but killed I my killed wife. Him. Yeah. 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 I may not have hit him or tased him or choked him, but I paid the man who did. We... Well, so did he. Right. The, the guy who got choked yeah. paid the guy too. Yeah. For his own for his own death. Do only white people pay taxes? Yeah. Is that is that what's going on? Okay, so that's the whole thing. I mean, we've got the document too. I don't know, it's a lot of whereas this bad thing happened and whereas this bad thing happened. Therefore, we will if then also do this now too. But and, but what I'm meaning is is it, the entire document is just one big virtue signaling piece of garbage yeah. because all it says is it lists all the terrible things that white people did back in the day, which is 
not all false. Um, and then it goes on to say, basically to atone for these things, uh, we think reparations are due. Um, and we're asking on the state and the federal government to help pay for it. But yeah. they didn't list any ways that they're actually going to do anything. No, they're going to form a commission. Right. That's the what the they're whole do. thing forms yeah. a commission to make suggestions. About where money that yeah. the government has should be invested specifically. Right. And that's it. But it didn't actually do anything, though. That's No. What, that's where no. I find it hilarious. They didn't pass a reparations tax on white people. They didn't allot a, an amount of money that's going to be going to black people specifically. They didn't do anything like that. All they did was, we're going to form a commission that's going to help direct our government funds towards minority communities. And that's it. Right. That's, that's all it is. And, but of course, the headline is that Asheville passed reparations. So, And the first paragraph. Yeah. It's... The, the question I have from this is, if this is reparations, then haven't we already had reparations for a long time? Because I know that things like this have already been going on around the country for a really long time. Mm -hmm. My dad was a county commissioner for a long time. My stepmom was a regional planner uh, that, that got grant money and things like that. And they were always getting things because it's a predominantly minority area. And then I also had the 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 experience of when we first moved to Nashville, my wife and I were extremely poor and she was trying to go to college and was working some jobs and she tried to go get uh, SNAP benefits while she was going to college. And they told her no. And she was like, why? Like, I'm, I'm literally going and donating plasma the maximum amount of times every single week so I can pay for my college because the college wouldn't give me free college or anything. And then also I can't get any of these benefits. And the person said, you're white and you don't have any kids. So you're not going to get any money. That's literally what the person told her. Okay. So, so there are things like this. And then we went through a period of very strong affirmative action for, for a long time when it came to schools and jobs and, th and things like that. And so if, if what Asheville is doing is considered reparations, then have have we not already been trying reparations for 50 or 60 years? It's just not enough, Nate. Just not enough. Yeah. I don't think I this is what people mean. Uh, reparations that are owed is actually $4.6 quadrillion. Mm, okay. Each black person owed, and there's uh, 50 million or something like that, 46 million black people in the United States. They're all owed $151 million each. Is this a real thing? Yeah, this was a study that was done by a group 151 million each because that's what they would well, have they, had they otherwise. They took all the hours worked by slaves, mm. adjusted for inflation plus interest and all the stuff that they put on it. It's 4.6 quadrillion. That is insane. Yeah. I mean that ugh. With, we'll have to talk about that. Has the some economy other time. even made no. 4.6 no. quadrillion? Like that's the thing. Like <laughs> how that is one of the more ridiculous things yeah, I've ever that's heard. That's the real. Are you study. sure it was a real article? I read it. Yes. On the internet. Yes. Oh, I look guess it, it up. Was real then. Look okay. it up. Look it up. I'm telling you. Uh, let, me, let me look that up real quick while you uh, while you keep going on this because. So then you also have the thing with welfare. Now I'm not saying that uh, there's a difference in saying that oh all black people are on welfare. That's not what we're saying. But welfare does go disproportionately to to black people. Okay, so what I'm so the only reason I'm bringing this up is if what Asheville is doing is considered reparations, 
then haven't we already had reparations for a long time? Because, uh, let's see, right at, this is 2016 data, 40% of welfare recipients are black. And they make up, what is it, 13% of the population. Now, when we talk about, uh, when we talk about, oh, I don't know, police brutality or any other kinds of stuff, they'll say, well, proportionate to the population, the, this is a disproportionate effect. So wouldn't it also matter, just throwing it out there, that, uh, that, that black people receive three times what their population size is uh, when, it, when welfare is allocated? I don't, uh, the only reason I'm bringing that up is because if Asheville did reparations, then haven't we already had reparations? Reparations are just, I mean, it, saying that reparations would work is like saying that welfare is the answer. It's just welfare. That's all it is. It's just more welfare from the government. They take money from some people and then they hand it out to other people. And, and that's it. And they have certain numbers of different races that they have to get on those. And you're less likely to be able to even get it if you are white using my empir empirical evidence that I have. So therefore, uh, African-Americans have already been prior prioritized when it comes to handing out money that has been taken from the productive side of the economy and then given out to people. Yeah. Uh, so what, what am I missing here? Have we already had reparations or not? It's also easier, much easier to get a government loan to start a business when you're of a minority. You know, there's a reason why um, you see a lot of minority owned businesses. Uh, it's because it's, a, they make it so much easier to get a loan. They do for those types of things. And there's still affirmative action. I mean, there's things we went through a long period with colleges and things like that. You still have places where they have a certain amount of each ethnicity that they need, race that they need to get into the college. And, right. you know, they're, well, we've got too many white people. Well, we have too many Asians. We got to stop doing that. We got to make sure we get, we get this many other people of other, of other Harvard, colors in. Yeah. Even, Asians were pissed about that. Yeah. And, and so I, I just, what, what I'm worried about here is that this is that the entire idea of reparations is just going to be a pathway to do, well, I don't want reparations anyway, but what I'm worried about is it's just going to be a pathway to do more of the exact same thing that we've already been doing for a long time, which is prioritizing community reinvestment, taking from productive side of the economy and injecting money wherever people decide they want to allot the money and it hasn't been working. Couldn't we try something like not having the regulations or not taxing the people in a certain way? Like not why do you or license to braid hair, not a license to braid hair. That's right. You know why? Why is it that they need to take the money and then they need to decide that they can divvy it out to the right people? Because that's all this is. They're going to form a commission and listen, not every single black person that applies for something is going to get it. Just the right black people are going to get it. Yeah. That, that's what's going to happen. Just the right ones that know the right people. Because there's going to be a fixed amount of money that they're going to hand out. Certain people are going to get certain privileges over others because they know the right people or because they, they made the right numbers or they're in the right area. And it's just, it's not reparations. But what I'm worried about is they're going to call it that. And when you have all the things going on, around the country that we have right now and so many people pushing the reparations thing, all I see is that it's just going to be more of the same. And if people are going to accept that as that's what reparations are, then we've already tried reparations and it's failed. Yeah. So 
Well, and you know, the narrative behind this is now, well, look, let me say this. There's no doubt mm. that black America was held back for during slavery, obviously, because they were yeah. slaves. That's And then during the Jim Crow era, because it was illegal for them to do certain things. Mm-hmm. And there is the instance of like the, you know, the, the black owned stock market in Tulsa got burned down. And there are some other instances of racism that definitely held black America back. However, we have to try to atone for those sins since the sixties, uh, when the civil rights act was passed, we've been trying to pay as Nate said reparations because basically we're saying, well, black people are starting from so far behind that there's no way they could get ahead because all the white people have consumed everything. It's, it's the same thing. It's the same argument that, you know, that that's made about uh, Mexicans trying to take the white people's jobs. You know what I mean? It's like almost the same argument. And, and it's not true because in a free, productive economy, then the people who are the best people for the job are going to get the job or start the company or sell the products or services. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. It's a meritocracy. And, and sure, there is some corruption and there is some power and black people were held back for a period of time, but we've been doing this reparations. You could call it with affirmative action and everything else since the sixties. And where has it gotten us? It's only become the problems only become worse. Yeah. It's only become worse. Why don't we, you know, judge the policies by their outcomes and decide maybe we need to do something different this time. Maybe we should just let people be free and see if, they can get ahead because we believe and we can encourage them. We believe that they have the skills and the the intelligence necessary to get ahead rather than saying, well, you were held back for so long. There's no reason. There's no way that you can get ahead. So, you know, uh, here's a, a, you know, a piece of pie and we're real sorry about what happened. I think that's the, th- the thing. The government's always sorry. That's what Asheville said, by the way. They're we're sorry. real sorry. Yeah. They're always sorry for the things that they did to you. Sorry, now we here, held me, you back, so we're going to punish all the people of our society because governments were holding you back. Right. And uh, we created this whole problem. Let yeah. us try to fix it. We're real yeah. sorry. By about holding it. other people back. Right. <laughs> is, is what we're going to do. Yeah. So it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. This next article was pretty interesting. It comes from Business Insider. And it was. I, I did want to <clears> say Wes <throat> said uh, this was a good podcast until it got canceled today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just went on a racist rant there for a minute of talking course. about how people... Well, I'm wearing my NASCAR hat and stuff, you know, I mean... Yeah, you can't listen to a word he says, man. He's probably got a Confederate flag hanging up over there off camera, I bet. Man. It's right above my don't tread on me flag, you yeah, because that's racist anyway. Uh, I was actually, just to talk about the don't tread on me thing, it's so... It's been stigmatized, obviously, by the media. And so my dad owns a grocery store and he's in a, I mean, literally the town that we're in is 95, 97% black, I would say. And when the whole coronavirus thing started happening and Illinois was shutting down businesses or requiring masks and things like that, he decided that he wasn't going to require masks or do anything about that in his store. And he put up a don't tread on me sign on the front door. And he was called a racist for putting up the sign. And then, so I was thinking about that because it's so... I mean, even in that area, your, which, li- your license plate is a Gaston flag. So, and so literally, when I'm driving around, I've got the I've and got the Gaston flag, and um, I I get worried about that sometimes that I'm going to get heckled. I was wearing this shirt into the gas station this morning 
which has the the snake on it and actually on the back it's Gaston got snake really big Gaston snake on the back of it and <clears throat> in my in my town like when I go somewhere I'm the only white person there and so I was a little bit worried that like someone's going to try to pick a fight with me or something like that because I'm wearing around the big don't tread on me shirt you know but Luckily, everything was okay. Taxation theft and I'm again wearing hat. a Mac Tax Taxation Theft Again hat. Yeah. Yeah. So you're really in for it. I'm calling I'm, me racist over here. You're, I'm asking for it. You're actually wearing the flag on your shirt. Yeah. You know, this is a perfect time for all the people protesting in the streets for the black community to be waving around the don't tread on me flag while they're protesting police brutality and protesting systemic racism that you should have the whole place filled up with, with Gadsden flags during these protests. But the media has done its job, which is to manipulate things mm -hmm. and, and change the minds of the people. But it was a perfect flag to be flying around during all of these protests. And uh, I was, you know, I, I just really disappointed to not really see it anywhere. Yeah. So anyway. Well, we have one <clears> thing that <throat> can fix this whole coronavirus pandemic, Nate. What's that? legalizing pot weed you got weed. me you got, got me yeah not no racist weed this is yeah. regular weed yeah um so this coming from business insider we should legalize pot to fight the coronavirus we're mired in global catastrophe a pandemic and economic meltdown and a vacuum of competent governance are all conspiring to make our current moment exceptionally miserable one positive if still tenuous development has been the national fervor in support of criminal justice reform part and parcel with such reform is drug policy reform and the simplest drug policy reform is legalizing marijuana americans can't reach a consensus on almost anything but a full two-thirds support full legalization according to a pew research poll from mm -hmm. last november yeah it's just a plant yeah. yeah there are plenty of reasons that the current moment is ripe to finally make the move towards legalization and no reason this couldn't be done if politicians could just get out of their own way this is the right moment to crush the illegitimate market and avoid another vape panic. It'll mean arresting fewer younger people, which forever alters their lives for the worst. It gives the public a legal alternative to alcohol, a more destructive drug by magnitudes. All true, by the way. <clears throat> yeah. At a time when the pandemic-driven economic recession is obliterated or has obliterated jobs and decimated state budgets, legalized cannabis opens up new avenues for tax revenues and creates worlds of economic opportunity. Which I don't like this part of it. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's legalize pot so we can steal all the tax money. And yeah. In Illinois, what it's like a thirty-eight percent tax. It's really. I mean, there's it's, still the massive gangs and people selling drugs because the legal weed is too expensive. I mean, literally, my dad owns a store, and they were looking into putting in a dispensary, and they said the the tax is so high on it. <laughs> the tax is so high that people will still just buy their street weed. Yeah. You know? Magoo said, you ever wear a mask on weed, man? <laughs> <laughs> but that'd be crazy. A lot of people be wearing their masks. Yeah. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy said this week that legalizing marijuana would be an incredibly smart thing to do, particularly given the state Senate's proposal to borrow $9.9 billion. Given the prospect of such an enormous amount of debt, it makes little sense to leave the approximately $300 million a year in potential tax revenue from legalized cannabis is just sitting there. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo long opposed legalization until he saw it as an opportunity to revitalize the long stagnant economies in many formerly industrial upstate New York towns. But even with a fully Democratic legislator in a deep blue state, he couldn't get it past two years in a row. 
This was in part because black lawmakers blocked the bill because it didn't do enough to ensure traditionally minority communities wouldn't reap some of the financial benefits, particularly these uh, since these communities have disproportionately borne the brunt of its criminalization in the form of drug-related crime and arrests. So that that's an important part because New York tried to legalize it twice. And part part of the blocking was from black lawmakers because minority communities wouldn't get a special amount of the financial benefits from the weed. Right. So it was kept illegal. I mean that that's that's some idiocy right there because you don't see the long form effects of what if we legalize this and we stop putting people in prison. Right. And people were actually able to get out of the generational cycle of poverty and and no, we'd you know, rather than all that keep uh, keep arresting them. Yeah, we'd rather people keep going to prison or having criminal records and not being able to get jobs. And the ones arrested and in prison for marijuana, we'd rather them stay there. Yeah, yeah, that says a lot about how because, the government is for you because we can't get a specific special amount of the money to put into our because we can't get reparations. Exactly, is what that is. Knowing this was a sticking point for a group of legislators with the power to stop the legislation, why not work this out ahead of time? The coronavirus might be keeping lawmakers from doing their business in Albany, but couldn't they negotiate over Zoom and bring a piece of emergency legislation to the table? You don't have to love it, but accept the time has come. While states can expedite the legalization, legalization process, the federal government also needs to take some steps to make this a reality. The president cannot legalize marijuana, but can he, he can remove it from its absurd classification as a Schedule One narcotic of the Controlled Substance Act, which are reserved for drugs with no currently accepted medical use and a high potential for abuse. 18 members of Congress in 2014 implored then-President uh, then Barack Obama to deschedule marijuana off of Schedule One. Obama demurred, insisting it was Congress's job which was ironic given the president's affinity for issuing executive orders with his pen and phone. It is weird. I mean, they, <laughs> they, they were, I mean, I, it bothers me that even when people get in the power, they don't see some of the obvious things. And listen, this is not an endorsement of people going around smoking weed everywhere. That's not what we at the GML podcast are saying at all. But there is a lot to be said about criminal justice reform and drug decriminalization. Now they talk about legalization. Um, that's not really good because that means that they can make it illegal again really quickly because then you're only doing it with permission all the time. So it's a lot easier for them to take away the permission again. So, so we would rather it not be legalization, but the beginning of this little section is important. You don't have to love it, but you need to accept that the time has come. Yeah. It, so it has nothing to do with wanting people to go be high all the time okay his vice president and now the presumptive democratic presidential nominee joe biden has historically been anti-pot which is ironic considering that mother trucker seems high on every time he's oh, on yeah. camera oh yeah dude he, <laughs> i added that last part just to have one zoom meeting he's doing so many lines of coke before he gets out there and that's what he's like just so we can sit upright for a, for a lengthy amount of time he's definitely anti-pot yeah yeah in fact, he's been one of the worst drug warriors of all time, writing destructive and scientifically ignorant legislation with the severest punishments available. Don't forget, it was Joe Biden in the 90s who introduced all the criminal bills that are uh, all the criminal legislation that we see today, like the three strike rule and everything else. He has been he was behind a all of them. war hawk on the yeah. on drugs. Yeah. The war on drugs. He he's a drug war hawk. That's he, a, he, a good he is. One. Yeah. He made Reagan 
look like a libertarian <laughs> comparatively. Yeah. You know, it's interesting if you go back and look at what happened in the 90s, the Democrats completely switched their policy on tough crime because they saw that being tough on crime was winning for the Republicans. So they completely flipped and Clinton came in uh, being tough on crime and Joe Biden in the Senate, the same thing. And so they had passed all of this. They're like, well, uh, you can be tough on crime. Republicans watch us. We'll be even tougher. Yeah. And, uh, and ended up Clinton, you know, obviously won. And then that's how all, the, all this got started. And then of course we should make Joe Biden the president because you know what else we can't have Trump because he's not Trump because he's not Trump. Yeah. yeah regardless of his, uh, how historically terrible he's been to the minority communities, especially with the drug war. So uh, it says here, Biden still won't go full legalization, but he has promised to remove pot from schedule one. That's huge. Talk about a huge. flip flopper. He just, well, just he doesn't pandering. remember his views in the nineties. <laughs> That's true. There's no way. <laughs> uh, so it goes on to say here, um, California Governor Gavin Newsom addresses this issue in his most recent budget. Cannabis businesses have less access to banking services that could provide liquidity, have a younger consumer base likely to be disproportionately affected by the COVID-19 recession, and still must contend with competition from the black market. Put simply, the Drug Enforcement Agency's absurd and outdated definition of cannabis is bad for business, and we can't afford bad for business for no good reason. States need to do their part, but the biggest obstacle remains the federal government. So for the people, for the economy, for justice, legalize it. Yeah. By the way, can we still say black market? Um, sounds like a racist market. It does. It does. That's a weird one. So, you know, there's a lot of stigma around weed and everything. I definitely think when we're talking about criminal justice reform, legalizing or decriminalizing marijuana across the country would be a big deal. Taking it off of Schedule 1 would be a massive deal, too, because that would then open it up for all of the clinical studies and trials and things that it would that it should be available for that it's not. Uh, so that would be a really, a really important thing because then you could actually start to get more science behind all of it. Um, and yeah, because they don't, uh, they can't qualify for federal grants or anything. Yeah, like that they to can't study marijuana. They can't do the, they can't do the studies because it's a, it's a Schedule One. They're they're not able to get the federal grants. So there's less, uh, there's less science coming out of it, and and that's always been a really big problem. Listen, I think I, I, I think that people should be able to do what they want. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't condone marijuana usage, but I don't dislike it any more than I than I think people being drunk all the time would be because I think alcohol is more dangerous than weed in the right. first place. So I think that's pretty important. There's the idea that it's a gateway drug, which I think is incorrect. Um, I believe that's a, cor a correlation issue. They say, well, if you do if you do weed, then you're more likely to move on to other drugs. I don't think that that is actual actually scientific i think that people who smoke weed are also people who would be more likely to do other drugs as well but it's not proof that smoking weed causes you to do other drugs so you could look at someone who does heroin and say well did you ever smoke weed and for all of them more than likely the answer is going to be yes so then that causes a correlation issue they say well all of these people started with weed therefore weed causes people to eventually get to heroin and that's correlation that's not causation that those are two those are two very different things so i, I think that that's been pretty misrepresented there's for a plenty long time. of weed smokers who've never done anything else yeah yeah you know and uh, and that's uh todd just said we need to allow marijuana to be involved in banking the retail locations have to do business in cash so they are robbed frequently and that's 
that's one thing they were talking about here. Actually, um, Charlie skipped over it, but that's what Governor Gavin Newsom was talking about. Uh, it said the Schedule One designation is the biggest reason banks are skittish about working with legal cannabis businesses. Despite soaring demand, legal businesses face disadvantages that the fully legalized alcohol and tobacco industries don't have to cont- contend with. So banks aren't getting in business with them because they're selling what the federal government still considers to be a Schedule One drug. And then that's going to get into all of the things with the Fed, FDIC, Finra. insurance, all that, all that kinds yeah. of stuff. So, so the banks, they don't get involved. And so it's a lot harder to start the businesses and to run them. So, Jeff and Magoo are coming up with some great names here. Jeff says, Joe Gateway Drug Biden. Yeah. And then we have Bill, I didn't inhale, but you go to jail, Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a lot of middle names. He does. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't that funny? Like, you know, when Bill Clinton was asked if he smoked weed, I didn't inhale. Yeah. I didn't inhale. But all you other people, all you other folks, three strikes and you're out. I mean, literally. Life was, in prison for you. It was a big deal. I remember when George Bush was running for president that it was reported that he had once smoked weed when he was in college. And that, that was a really big deal. And then also, I believe the same thing with Obama when he was running that he had that he had smoked the mary jane before probably when he was, was born in deal. kenya yeah <laughs> probably yeah it was in it was outside of the country right. so it wasn't so that big of a deal count. it wasn't schedule yeah. one over there so um it's just uh, it's pretty crazy uh i think that there's a massive stigma behind it um i think that marijuana could be used for a lot of really great things uh, I do think that we're pushed onto prescription medications that are worse than what weed actually is, that are actually more dangerous than what weed actually is. Mm-hmm. And um, I would I would definitely look forward to a time that we could at least take it away from Schedule 1 and start studying it some. But the problem is the drug companies do not. I mean, you guys think drug companies aren't behind this? Uh, how about you being able to to grow a life-changing drug in your backyard or in your garage. That's like worst case scenario for a drug company. They do not want people to be able to create their own medication mm-hmm. at all. And if all you got to do is grow a plant and then dry it out and smoke it, well, that's not good if you're if you're Bayer or, or whoever, whatever the big company is that's making medication. Like they, they don't want Especially that. Especially the ones making narcotics. Yeah. They want you on that oxycodone. They want for your you on that pain. stuff. So I do think there's a little bit of corruption. They want you in there. on that Ambien instead of <laughs> instead of the old marijuana. You know, there's a lot of good things that uh, you know, marijuana can do. Yeah, it's, for sure. Yeah. It's great for anxiety. It's great for I know someone that literally um they get the gummies that help you go to sleep because you can genetically modify marijuana to do certain things. So yeah. he, like he literally gets the gummies to go to sleep and that that's all he takes them for. It, and he sleeps like a baby every it, night. It works really well for sleep, uh, for sure. Chronic pain. I think one of seizures. the issues, you know, I heard a guy on um, on the Tom Woods, uh, the the Tom Woods show one time talking about how he didn't think that it needed to be fully legalized, but he thought it all needed to be medicinal. And he was making a pretty good point in the fact that everyone thinks that there's no limit to how much weed you can smoke, and it will never harm you whatsoever. And I do think that that is incorrect. I do think that it can have 
bad effects. I know it's not addictive and all that kinds of stuff and, and doesn't have the effects a lot of other drugs do, but anything that you enjoy and that alters your brain it can be addictive. I mean, it, well, yeah. anything. Now, now, maybe not chemically and all of that. But you could get addicted but to that feeling. You get addicted to the feeling and it can cause issues in your life in all kinds of different ways. And then also, I mean, if you go... If, if you smoke so much that you find yourself, you know, in the corner of the bathroom one night thinking that ninjas are trying to get you, then uh, <laughs> then that's not a good thing either. Like if you, you know, develop some kind of psychosis and of some kind. Is that a personal story? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The ninjas are coming. The ninjas are trying to get me. So anyway. I'll tell a, I'll tell a story from the road. Uh, Josh said we've. We were touring musicians. I bet we would know. <laughs> so uh, I was uh, I was on tour with this band. I won't give you the names, but um, the lead singer of the band. We were in uh, we were in Michigan, and back then um, Michigan was one of the first states that had a, a depository, I believe, or whatever you call those. And uh, so they were selling dispensary can- dispensaries. Yeah. yeah. So they were selling cannabis oil. And um, the lead singer from the band got some oil, which was which is like ninety six percent THC. Are you talking about Trapped when you're on with no, them? Okay, because no. the guy, the lead singer of Trapped, when we were on tour with him, I'm, I'm, I don't think he care would care that anyone knew about this, but literally he was always on the bus smoking weed all the time, all the time. That is all he That's, was ever doing. And then he came out and sang. And then he came out and sang. And then went back to the bus. Went back to the bus, <laughs> and he was on the weed, and that is all he ever did. Yeah. That's had it. an IV of it. Guy. The the oil, whatever the yes, yeah. Well, so that yeah, so this is back before they had vaporizers. So well, I mean, they had like the big machine vaporizers, but this is back before you had like the handheld vapes where you smoked yeah. oil out of that. So anyway, back they, in we, the olden days, they made a bowl of and they put regular weed on there, which has like 40 percent THC, and then a little drop of the ninety six percent pure THC oil, and they would smoke that. They called it going to the moon. And uh, I'll never forget, I never laughed so hard in my life, but this guy, uh, lead singer of the band, with the protocol is when you get on a bus, you take your shoes off because you don't want your shoes all over the bus. So everybody takes their shoes off at the front of the bus. We did not have that protocol. And we were hanging out in the back of the bus, and uh, this guy's on his laptop, and all of a sudden, he looks up as the bus starts to take off. He goes, oh my God, guys, I, l- I left my... I left my feet on the front of the bus because his legs were stretched out. He thought that his feet were stretched out all the way to the front of the bus. He goes, stop the bus. Stop the bus. I left my feet at the front. <laughs> and that was and, just weed. It, yeah, that was just weed. His feet yeah. were on the moon. And his feet, yeah. He was on the moon and his he feet were the, back on Earth. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Uh, old, old tour stories. Oh, you know? I've got I've got a lot, yeah. but I will withhold them for sake of... Uh, my mother. <laughs> so, so. That wasn't me. You. Mom. It wasn't you. It wasn't me, mom. Yeah. This was another another guy. All right. So. A little positive note here. I guess positive. Yeah, it's positive. So hitting close to home, another close to home story here. Governor Bill Lee, the governor of Tennessee, uh, says that closing down Tennessee's economy will not be on the table, even though hospitalizations are on the rise. Ooh. All right. So this is from the Tennessean.com. Then there's some other good stuff that should go for the whole country in here too. So it's not, not just, not just local, but some good principle. Uh, while, while pleading with Tennesseans to wear masks and affirming that doing so is not a political statement, 
Bill Lee on Tuesday said bringing back restrictions that will once again hamper the state's economy is off the table. He said, I am not at any point considering closing the economy back down, uh, noting that there are levels and, levers and options to pull around expanding health care capacity. Some other states, including Texas, have reverted back to previous phases of restrictions as coronavirus cases have continued to mount, although they're not as high as they were previously reported. Instead, the governor said members of hospital systems in Tennessee have indicated the desire to take the lead ahead of the government on solving capacity issues. Now, Tennessee is one of these states that has the certificate of need. And uh, I'm very well uh, informed on certificate of need because that is what my wife worked on for an entire year. It was a certificate of need for one of the big healthcare systems. And so Tennessee has this where you cannot add you can't add new beds to your hospital without permission from, from the government to be able to do it. And so what they do is they'll try to get permission for way more beds than what they actually need. So they can add and remove, uh, or they'll have multiple hospitals under one conglomerate and they'll get a massive uh, allotment of beds and they'll shift the beds back and forth between the two of them. So if they add in one, they'll decrease beds in another. So, and they'll also build hospitals and actually build the beds and put beds in there, but they're not licensed, so they just keep those floors closed. Yeah, yeah. They'll do that, too. So it said, in, uh, let's see, Tennessee... And it's illegal, yeah. by the way, to put patients up there. Yeah, can't do it. Even if you needed to. Mm -hmm. It's illegal because the bed's not licensed. Lee and Tennessee Department of Health Commissioner Dr. Lisa Piercy said the state continues to have... By the way, the bars in Nashville lost their case for their restraining order. The bars in Nashville came up with a really creative idea, which is they were they filed for a restraining order against the health department officials in in Metro Nashville. Ah, so they couldn't come so they couldn't come into the bars to shut them down, which was a hilarious idea. Right. But it did not get approved. So anyway, imagine that. Dr. Lisa Piercy said the state continues to have adequate capacity in hospitals. Piercy said during a bad flu season, the state's hospital capacity could decrease to single digits. On Tuesday, so the, let me say that again. During a bad flu season, the state's hospital capacity can decrease to single digits, meaning that the, the hospital's capacity could be over 90% full during More a bad that. flu season. Nor, like normally. 99% yeah, full, at least. Literally. They, they don't just have a bunch of extra the beds all the digits time. digits means in the entire state there's nine yeah or fewer beds available and i and i asked Lacey about this i was like what what do they normally run on on the icu and everything she's like about 80 to 90 percent that's that's about how full we are all the time so on tuesday the state reported as many as uh 20 as as many 2600 of 12,300 hospital floor beds remain available so 2600 beds are available while 870 people are currently hospitalized in the state with the coronavirus, Piercy said rates of ICU admissions and ventilator use had not risen as steeply as the hospitalization rate in general, which she called a credit to things we have learned over the last several months. Uh, the state said they received 8,000 units of remdesivir from the federal government, a promising drug that is used on the sickest of the sick that was distributed to hospitals around the state. Uh, Piercy said no hospital in the state is in crisis mode due to a shortage of beds, but said hospitals in the state's largest urban areas, specifically Memphis and Nashville, are starting to feel some strain from the increased hospitalization and ICU rates. On Tuesday, the state reported 1,500 new cases in Tennessee, bringing the total to 66,000. Tennessee saw one of its biggest single-day increases in hospitalization since the pandemic began, 
as 94 people were put in the hospital. 767 Tennesseans have died from COVID-19. So that's a not a that's not a massive number. Well, so, and keep in mind the other reason why they're feeling strain, and I know this because uh, my girlfriend's an ER nurse. Um, a lot of nurses are on furlough right now because a lot of the nurses actually have COVID-19. Yeah. And so <clears throat> clearly I don't know any names, obviously, but, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, people who work um, in the hospitals who are getting COVID-19. So obviously they can't come back to work. Now I have not heard of any healthcare providers uh, dying uh, from the disease, but uh, they do, they are sick and so they can't obviously come to work. And so they're having some shortages in staff as well. So that's another reason why they're feeling it. But notice throughout this article, most of the time it, it talks about cases rising. Yeah. Not deaths and does talk about some hospitalizations rising, but, um, but it's mainly cases. And, and so it's still not, what did it say here? They had 2,600 beds available still. Yeah. Yeah, 2,600 out of the 12,300 hospital floor beds remain available. They're saying the ICU admissions and ventilator use is not rising as steeply as the hospitalization rate. So people are becoming hospitalized, but we're not getting so bad that people need the ICUs and the ventilators. Right. So... Um, and so Lee said a couple important things here. He said, Lee also touted safety measures in place for a Wednesday night NASCAR race in Bristol that is expected to draw tens of thousands of people, including thousands of masks donated by Northeast Tennessee businesses. He said the race could pave the way for a return to outdoor sporting events this fall. Hell yeah, man. Oh, going to get some Titans <laughs> action, ma'am. There has been an awful lot of, this is Lee talking. There has been an awful lot of political talk about masks. Lee said, holding up a Bristol Strong mask he said he plans to wear at the race Wednesday. He said, this mask right here is not conservative. It's not liberal. Shaming someone for wearing a mask or shaming someone for not wearing a mask is just not something that Tennesseans ought to be doing, ought to be in the business of doing. So, anyway. They ought not to be. They ought not to be in the business of doing, man. Mm-hmm. So, Lee, you know, Lee is, uh, he's pretty good. He's, pre- he's very conservative, but... um. He's pretty good. He's a business owner or, you know, was a business owner before winning. He had a, I heard commercials for his business all the time on the radio for, since I moved to Nashville. Uh, I believe it's a, is it a heating and electric, like plumbing, HVAC and something all that, like that. Yeah. yeah. Lee company. Um, Lee company. Yeah. Um, so he knows business and he's not up for closing down the economy. And so it does help sometimes to have someone who knows a little bit about business in the, in the office. So that's, that's pretty good. So Charlie's got a hard schedule today, so we're going to be cutting it off. There's so much to talk about, too. Because I've got like eight more articles in here that I pulled did today. Did you see the Supreme Court uh, ruled in favor, seven to two, by the way, that uh, corporations did not have to provide birth control anymore? Yeah. Um, and then also Tennessee passed the heartbeat bill that and Governor Lee signed it. And then the a federal judge has already blocked it. Really? Yeah. So Stephanie was talking to me last night about how women are losing rights. And I, I do want to dig into that sometime, maybe tomorrow if we have time or maybe next week, because it's not that corporations should have to provide birth control. Yeah. It's the fact that birth control isn't sold over the counter. That is the biggest now. problem. That's yeah. the, the, it's the FDA regulations. And, and that's, that's the actual problem. I was talking to Lacey about this uh, last, whenever that came out. And uh, she said that the controversy, which she didn't agree with the controversy, but it was that, well, the 
insurance covers Viagra, so it should cover birth control. And I was like, well, that's, that's not the same thing. It's not really the same. Like, you need Viagra because there's an underlying health issue where your body isn't functioning properly. Right. You, you need birth control to to stop your body from performing properly. Right. And so those are those are very different things. If you don't have birth control, you can still perform the act of having sex. Like, you can still do it. So there's nothing wrong with your body at, at that time. But if you don't have Viagra, then you might not be able to perform an act that a human body is supposed to perform. Well, you know, and so, I think they should make exceptions because there are, there are things like, uh, is it called invitreosis where there's scar tissueing that can happen that could cause you to be infertile. There's other things. There's other reasons why women take birth control rather than just not getting pregnant. Yeah. It's because things, uh, you know, their body can create scar tissue and do other types of things. Um, if their periods are that bad. Yeah. So there should be medical exceptions to mm -hmm. where they could make it be covered. But maybe you don't call that birth control. Maybe that's a new medication that, that hampers down women's periods when they want to have a lighter period. Right. Like, why is that still called birth control? Right. You know, that Well, the other thing is, is like, you can't have a right to something that was invented 50 years ago. No, <laughs> you can't. Like it was, what if it was never invented? It's like saying you have a right to healthcare. It's yeah. not, not, it's not the same thing. Now, of course I want all women to be able to have birth control. Yeah. And we can get it. We can do a deeper dive in the discussion. I just thought it was very interesting um, that even a liberal justice, and I'm saying that in quotes, by the way, on the, yeah. on the podcast, um, on the live feed, if you can see that, um, joined the conservative side saying, I think it was, um, it, it was uh, Elena Kagan too, by the way, a woman. Yeah. So said, you know, which she backtrack her previous because um, she voted with the liberal side when it was challenged before. And now all of a sudden she's joining the other side. What, whatever. Interesting. It doesn't matter, but it's a very interesting case. And so, um, you know, corporations shouldn't have to provide those things. They don't have to provide you healthcare or anything else like that. The real problem is the real issue is the underlying government restrictions and it should cost $20 over the counter. You should yeah. be able to go pick it up if you want to, which you can get some for really, cause I was asking Lacey what, prices you can actually get some for. And she said, well, first off, you can go to the health department and get it for free, basically. Well, that's a government program, so that's not a great argument. But um, you can get it for free or you can get all kinds of discounts if you don't have the insurance or insurance doesn't cover it. But if you are going to buy it just strictly cash, whatever, you know, it's going to cost you like a hundred bucks a month or something like that. Yeah. But she said you can get it. You know, I was on it for like 30 bucks a month for, for a while. And, and that's, you know, to me, to me, that's that's fine. And as Jeff says, Jeff says two dudes talking about women's reproductive system. Shame. We yeah. can't even talk about we're it. Mansplaining because so we're mansplaining so hard right now. We're mansplaining. Yeah. Mansplaining about vaginas. Hey, you know what? The insurance doesn't <laughs> cover condoms. You know. I know. So, so I feel like I, the uh, hell. I feel like that should be covered. Those are expensive. I hear. Yeah. They're, they're pretty expensive. And and technically, if you want to perform an activity every day, you need like a couple boxes every single month and you're going to be spending 30, 40 bucks a month. At you, least. Yeah. Depending on what size you need to get. Yeah. And, and how many special features they have, Yeah, you know, and special so, <laughs> features. <laughs> all right, guys. Anyway, if you're interested in trading in the stock market, go to mastermytrades.com. We do, we go live every single morning in the pre-market. This condom tell comes you, with a Swiss army knife. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it, You need a bottle opener. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> Bottle opener on the tip. <laughs> <laughs> All oh. right. 
Anyway, any, any, I gotta go. Anyhow, it's time yeah, to go. If you're interested in trading the stock market, we go live every single day of the week at 8 a.m. Central Time and go over the stocks that we're going to be trading in the morning. You don't have to trade them. We're just going to tell you what we're going to be trading. So you're welcome to go to mastermytrades.com if you want to learn how to read stock charts and learn all about the market. I've got about three new videos I'm going to record today. And, um, you know, the market's pumping every day. It's not too late to start day trading because just today there was something that was up 300%, you know, I and mean, literally yeah. the, already. And then in the pre-market, like there's something that's up 180% already. It, there's new opportunities every single day. So you haven't missed the boat on it. There's a new opportunity every day. We don't trade the same stocks every day. It's a different stock, different market every every single day so nate trades stocks and i trade stonks he trades stonks go to stonktrader.com <laughs> we're gonna have to get that url i, I know think. that's it's too good it's probably already taken what about just stonks stonks.com that's definitely taken <laughs> look it up i bet you, you gotta buy it for like Say, eight thousand dollars more than likely so anyway go to mastermytrades.com if you are interested as i told you i'll sign up for the live group it's a lot of fun in here we make fun of each other and all kinds of things happening with Magoo and Jeff and Wes and Maurice and Josh. Josh is back for the first time ever. He's been away for a while, but he's now back. So that's good. A.A. Ron and Wes and a bunch of cool people in the live group Sam, that chat with us every single day. Jeff. Sam and Paul. Uh, Tegan. Jim. All kinds of people. So uh, every name you could think of is in the live group. <laughs> so all the names in the history of the world. Uh, there's even somebody named Barack in there, I think. So go check it out. Patreon.com slash good morning Liberty. And then please share the show with a friend, leave us one of those ratings and reviews. And if y'all do all of that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning Liberty. Barack. <laughs>